0: To him who loves us and has freed us from our own sins by his own blood and made us a kingdom and priest to God, his Father, to him, be the glory and the power forever. Amen. The Word of God guiding our meditation this evening is found in Peter's first letter, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under God's powerful hand so that he may lift you up at the appointed time. Cast all your anxiety on him he cares for you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. So which kind of observer of the events of Christ's passion are you tonight? Are you the Christian partisan who sees the sleepy weakness of Peter, James, and John and says, how could they? They call themselves disciples? I would never have done that. Christian partisan who sees Judas come with the crowd and wants to cry, off with his head, or who sees Peter strike out with his sword and thinks, wow, he just doesn't get it, does he? Jesus needed better disciples who would have listened better and stuck by him instead of making more trouble for him. Or are you the empathetic onlooker who sees Peter, James, and John struggling to stay awake and says, yeah, yeah, I would probably have fallen asleep too. It had been a long day and a tiring week. Who sees Judas and asks, How many times have I betrayed my Lord? It's only by the grace of God that I haven't done anything as bad as Judas did. Or who sees Peter with his sword and thinks, It's a good thing it was only an ear. Jesus probably wouldn't have been able to stop me before I did something a lot worse. Most of us go back and forth between the two perspectives. On the one hand, we can see the errors and weaknesses of Christ's disciples very clearly from our comfortable distance, and we really don't like to see our Lord so ill-served. But on the other hand, we can also realize that we are sinners just as they were and understand that we are weak, sinful, and error-prone in all the same ways. The time of confession with which we began our service tonight probably means that tonight you fall into the second category. There there is no pride saying, I would do better, but instead there is humility saying, I know just what that's like. In fact, that's one of the reasons why the season of Lent can be kind of depressing us sometimes, not just solemn or sad. We we don't just appreciate all that Christ had to do to save us, and we don't just see bad things happening to Jesus, whom we love. We see ourselves weak, traitorous, impetuous, unbelieving, cowardly, disloyal, and we aren't happy with what we see. But while introspection leading to repentance is a good and godly thing, meditating on Christ's passion is not supposed to make us more troubled than we were before Ash Wednesday. And it is not a mark of piety to dig oneself a pit of depression and despair to wallow in for seven weeks until Easter gives you permission to smile again. No, rather than lay us low, God wants To lift us up. And the exact same stories of what happened with Jesus in his last hours can do that for us. If we approach them with the perspective of hopeful faith. It all starts with a willingness to do what we just read from Peter. Remember the same Peter who failed Jesus multiple times during his passion? It starts with humbling ourselves. And then, after the humbling, God lifts us up. But humbling ourselves is more than just recognizing that we have troubles or weaknesses. It also requires setting aside our pride and any thought that we are the only ones who can or should solve our problems. It is actually kind of ironic. For a lot of troubled people, whom life has brought really low, the biggest thing getting in the way of getting helped is their own pride. You would think that in that moment, they would abandon all thoughts of relying on themselves, but even at their deep, darkest depths, sinful people, and we are all sinful people, cling to the idea that they have the power to save themselves. Imagine someone will call Kathy. Kathy's always been quick to send other people to see a doctor when they're ill, but she never goes to see one herself. She used to when she was much younger, when her parents made her. One day, a few weeks after she got a severe sunburn at the beach, she notices a dark spot on her shoulder that wasn't there before. She doesn't tell anyone and puts some lotion on it. A few weeks, And a lot of lotion later, she inspects it again and notices that the blotch is a lot bigger and darker. But it doesn't hurt or anything, so she figures it's no big deal. Lots of people get spots and they just go away. Another month or two goes by and a friend notices the spot and says, Kathy, you need to have a doctor, look at that. And she says, well, maybe if it gets bad, but... I know what a doctor is going to tell me anyway. Stay out of the sun, and I'm doing that. Three months later, the blotches started bleeding and hurts. So finally, she goes to her doctor. As soon as he says, you should have come to me sooner, she tunes him out, figuring the visit was a waste of time. He couldn't tell her anything. She couldn't find out herself on the internet. And on the web, she found someone who... Fo- swore that a fight skin cancer holistic diet was all that she needed. And though it doesn't always taste good, she is confident that she's getting better. Now we don't have to bring that story to its tragic end to characterize Kathy as foolish and proud for thinking she can deal with a serious medical problem all on her own, but far too many people Far too many of God's children do the same thing with other kinds of problems. Maybe it's grief or actual depression. Maybe a troubled relationship or or difficulties with job or school. Perhaps it's a a lack of self-discipline or or social anxiety or loneliness. Maybe it's an all-consuming worry about your kids or your finances or the state of the country. Whatever it is, they do what Kathy did. They try to ignore the problem. Then they insist that they know better. They go anywhere but the word of God for wisdom. They won't listen to what God says. They won't talk to their pastor or even other Christians because I already know what they'll say. And they trust only in themselves or their own resources, despite the fact that trusting in themselves has shown no signs before of improving anything. And what happens? They keep the weight of their troubles and the costs of their weaknesses on their own backs. And not only do they not find their way out of their troubles, but they often find themselves lower than they started, because their failures discourage them even more. But it's not surprising. It's common to think that when there is a problem of any kind, the solution must involve the the person or people who, who caused the problem. And when we see ourselves as central to whatever our problems might be, well, we look at our weaknesses, errors, failings, and fallings, and we assume the only solution is to get stronger, do better, be better, and otherwise pick ourselves up. But when we do, we find that we are still weak, and we still make errors, and so we fail and fall again. The truth is that the solution to our problem has to come from outside ourselves, someone bigger, wiser, better, and willing to help. There are no bootstraps suitable for the job of lifting oneself up out of one's troubles. And recognizing this inability to help or save oneself is the first step to actually getting lifted up. We humble ourselves before the Lord and say, I can't do this. Whoever or whatever is responsible for the mess I'm in, I've only made it worse. I need your help, Lord. I need you to do for me what I cannot do for myself. You are not my last hope. You are my first and only hope. Help When we do that, and we submit ourselves and our troubles to our loving Father and trust him to care for us, he always comes through for us. He takes all those stresses and strains we cast on him and handles them lovingly and expertly. Because he cares for us, he lifts us up. Because he Is that someone outside ourselves, bigger, wiser, better, and willing to help? That's what Christ's life, suffering, death, and resurrection are all about. Jesus, the Son of God, takes your sins and my sins, all of them, all of the world's guilty filth, and washes it away with the blood he pours out for us on the cross. Canceling out forever the debt that we owed our creator by absorbing in his own body and soul the righteous wrath of God against our sin. And yet also, at the same time, giving us the perfect holiness that he earned with a life of absolute obedience. So that we are justified, declared not guilty, and qualified for heaven where we will live forever with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in joy and peace because we trust in the Savior who died and rose for us. The greatest help ever given anyone is our loving Lord lifting us up from our fallenness and condemnation and casting all of our expectations, anxieties, and fears about sin, death, and hell into the abyss Never to be seen again. But let's be clear. The message here is not just trust Jesus and all your problems will disappear or be a good Christian and your weaknesses and anxieties will all just go away. In the first place, such thoughts are completely contrary to all Christian experience. That has never been true for any believer. More importantly, that would be completely contrary to Christ's experience. No one ever trusted God more or lived better than Jesus, and yet no one ever suffered more. Such ideas would also be a denial of the reality of our sinful natures and the sinful nature of the world we live in. Since sin is always in our lives, troubles will also always be in our lives. So instead, the message here is that when we turn all our worries and weaknesses and illnesses and concerns and bad habits and bad moods and instabilities and insecurities and fears and depressions over to God, trusting him to help us, he will. He will help. He will take care of us in whatever state we're in. And no matter how low life has laid us, he will lift us up. He will give us hope that we did not have before. He will give us peace that we were lacking. He will give us confidence to make it through the next days and weeks. He gives us that certain hope of life forever in heaven that we can look forward to. And yet, in the here and now, he also strengthens us, just as he sent angels to strengthen his son praying in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane gives us the strength we need for each day, the lift in our hearts and our souls that we need, perhaps even the courage to do what we could not do before, perhaps even the courage to go get help from somebody else who can help us, a doctor, a counselor, a friend, a parent, someone. And here, Jesus is our ultimate example and evidence. No one could ever match him in humility. After all, he set aside being God in order to take on our humanity and even to die. And no one had ever, ever had more to be anxious about than Jesus did on Monday, Thursday. Yet what do we see there in Gethsemane? He humbly submits himself and all things to his Father, and he casts. All those anxieties on him, And what happens? Does God suddenly zap and make everything suddenly rainbows and roses? No. Instead, it just gets worse. As bad as anything could ever get. Betrayal, arrest, imprisonment, false conviction, abandonment, insult, torture, agony upon agony, and the cruelest and most painful of deaths then his mission and his father's purpose fulfilled he is lifted up he rises from the dead with a perfected body he reassumes his divinity he ascends into heaven and takes up again his rightful place on his throne as king of all and if that is what happened with God's son when he humbled himself and cast all his anxiety on his Lord, well, you and I can be absolutely certain, confident that God can be counted on to honor the trust of us, his children, whom he has chosen, to cast. that he will care for the members of his family, that he will lift us up, no matter how low life is. Has laid us. This is where Peter and Jesus and our Heavenly Father want us to keep our focus. Not on what makes us anxious or guilty or weak, not on our humbling, but on the Lord's lifting. This takes our focus off of ourselves and puts it where it should be on Him and on His grace, on Christ, on the one who cares for. This is how, again, we are known by Christ's passion. It is not only that we suffer and are laid low as He was, carrying our own crosses because we follow Jesus, but it's also, and wonderfully, that when we are so humbled and trust in God as He did, we are then lifted up as He was. Now, is this always obvious? Is it visible to others? Not if they're expecting us to hover a few feet off the ground, but it can be evident, even unmistakable, in how we live and how we endure whatever troubles God allows into our lives for our growth and for the good of his kingdom. Because though we live with humility, our heads are held high with the hope that we have in Christ. This is who we are as the family of God. We are lifted up. Amen. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.